This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. Today, show number one in year number four. What a phenomenal, phenomenal run we've had with the show the first three years. And I thought that year four should be kicked off with an interesting, interesting topic. Fantasy football. It doesn't get any better than that. And everyone who watches the NFL in some form or another deals with fantasy football. I mean, I would tell you that it, you'd be hard-pressed to find guys who aren't involved in this as deep, I would say, as your regular Joe on the street. I mean, it is a fascinating, fascinating topic. It takes up countless hours of conversations by phone, between friends, group chats, etc. And I thought that the best thing to do would be to bring the guy who I feel is the most knowledgeable guy in fantasy that I deal with on a day-to-day basis, my guy Justin Solotov, and we're going to call this show The Maestro and The Mensch. Did I just blow up the spot that's that you're perfect, that you're Jewish? That's, no, that's perfect. Maybe a little bit more Yiddish. Uh, accent. <laughs> How good. would you say that? Uh, the, uh, maestro and the Mensch. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. You're welcome, Serge. I'm uh, honored to be on. I, I, you know, I appreciate it because, like I said, like I said in in the intro, a lot of people are always seeking information. And everybody's got different ways of doing it. And when we get into the show, you're going to realize that I know I'm going to learn stuff from you for this year because you are always, you know, deep into this. But I also, I'm sure you're going to learn how I go about using the gambling aspect from doing my gambling show during the week and stuff. like. I use gambling a lot for fantasy, and I'm not sure... How many people have gotten to that point? I know they pay attention to the totals in game. They might say, well, I got two receivers right. and I'm going to you go with the game that has the highest total. But there's a little bit more that goes into that. Right. There's a different strategy to all the people out there who are doing the daily fantasy type of leagues that, you know, you're trying to pick your team based on who's going to do the best within that specific game. And also guys who are doing different types of fantasy leagues. There's head-to-head fantasy leagues, and I'm kind of old school. The leagues that I run are rotisserie-based leagues, which are total points-based leagues throughout a 16-week season with places like one through four based on who has the total cumulative points at, by the end of the season. So there are different strategies in terms of drafting different types of leagues. And most of the magazines that you see are based on probably um, more rotisserie based leagues because they give you total projections kind of forecast throughout the entire season, which is hard to do um, to match up on a head-to-head basis. A lot of these sites do a good job if you punch in the categories that you're using, the standard categories that you're using, they do a good job of breaking down players based on that and then ranking them accordingly. But the rotisserie leagues at the end of the year, I'll give you a great example, a couple of years ago when Chad Johnson uh, used to play, he, he would end up the year with 90 catches, 1,500 yards, eight touchdowns, 
probably a top five wide receiver. But in head-to-head leagues, he'll he'll get six catches, 183 touchdowns one week, and go two games where he gets you practically two or three points. You know who's like that? Mike Evans. Right, exactly. I mean, especially at the end of last year. I mean, God, I, for, for, I didn't even play him in my championship game because he was so bad, and he and Brady blew up in the last game of the season. He ended up with about 45 fantasy points. Exactly. That's a perfect example. On, on, on a weekly basis, he was averaging probably three to four catches in 65 yards, a game almost not playable even as a wide receiver three, and but would have a couple of monster games with uh, with Brady at the helm last year. That's a good, good example. Yeah, so th- and that's a good point, and let's start there. The first thing you have to understand is the concept of the league that you're in. Because, like you said, there are guys that are – quote-unquote, role players who will be more consistent in a head-to-head league than, like you said, a top 5 to 10 wide receiver who's a home run hitter for five weeks and ends up with great numbers at the end of the year, you might not get the same value in a head-to-head league. Right, specifically in in the difference between um non PPR standard scoring leagues uh, half PPRs and PPRs you have to even break it down one segment further why don't why don't you explain that because a lot of people cuz I'll be honest with you the league that I run is a three player keeper league and we've always been as close to NFL rules as possible standard we try to keep everything straight across the board i mean like Talk about just meat and potatoes. One quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, no flex. We have a kicker in the defense. No, uh, we have no, no no PPR, nothing out of the ordinary. But a lot of the leagues do have the flex, do have the PPR. And now, and I'm going to throw another wrinkle, 10 team, 8 team, or 12 league. Right. I'm in a 12 league, right. which makes it a little bit different, yeah. right? Yeah, difference. So explain the difference between how you might attack a PPR league as opposed to a standard league. And and also I'll add to that that there are some leagues I play in the CBS Sports uh, line league where they have bonus points for over 100 yards receiving, long touchdown, same thing with uh, running backs, right? My so, that. so that adds another wrinkle to it. So you kind of you, the, the best thing to do is to really study the rules of the league first because so many people play in multiple leagues and you have to know the differences between the leagues and then break down and create your own tiers is the best way to do it in terms of what's applicable to that specific league. So for instance, in your standard scoring league where touchdowns are um, garnered the most points and you don't care about how many um, catches they get guys who are are sort of um, like the Nick Chubbs of the league running back wise are higher on rankings than guys who catch a lot of balls out of the backfield and maybe score less touchdowns you know so in in a non um, PPR league I try to find guys like Derek Hun- Henry and Nick Chubb who score a lot of touchdowns but will who also get a lot of yardage you don't care if they catch balls it doesn't matter even if they catch a ball at the backfield they're not taking it to the house they're dink uh, dump off passes that get eight yards 10 yards it's not going to matter in that game but what happens in the half and more so the PPR leagues you're trying to look for the the most well-rounded best balanced type running backs or even wide receivers um, so for instance uh, guys back in the day like like uh, Mason from Tennessee 
he would get eight catches, 80 yards. You can plug that in every week. If you get a touchdown, it's a bonus. But in, in standard scoring, that's 16 points every every week. If you average out how much a position player is getting uh, for wide receiver, that actually works in well as a wide receiver too. Correct. Right? So so you want it. So running back specifically, let, let's talk um, this year. Uh, there are a lot of them actually at the top of the list, which are Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, going to be Bijan Robinson, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard. Those are your standard top five players at that position are all guys who are going to catch probably between 40 and 60 balls a season. And if you're in a one point per reception league, that's the equivalent of somebody getting, let's say, four catches, 40 yards. That's eight points right there. Correct. That's as good as your wide receiver three might be. Then add on the rushing yardage and potential touchdown. Those guys are very valuable to have in PPR-type leagues. But I aim for guys who I know who are going to be high volume. So when I'm looking at my at the projections, I like to look at targets. Specific um, websites like Yahoo will give the targets that players get in each game. And so I like to see a guy who, who is up between 8 and 12 targets per game on the Yahoo each rankings each week. Because I know that if it's a good wide receiver and they're getting 10 targets, a game perfect example is Stefan Diggs to, to Josh Allen. He's peppering him with 14, 16 targets a game. He's going to catch 8 to 10 balls on average, Correct. right? So so that that's kind of how you sort of, you know, should structure your, the way that you're looking at your rankings and those type of drafts. How do you handle rookies coming into the league? I'm somebody who tends to shy away from rookies, but you have to, um, you have to sort of sort out where those rookies were drafted and the situations they're in. So for instance, um, Addison in Minnesota is somebody who I would target, who I think is going to be great as a WR2 opposite Justin Jefferson. I think if he gets in like to the 75 to 80 to 90 target range and he gets 50 to 60 catches with like 800 yards and maybe four touchdowns, he's a serviceable wide receiver three. Um, to your point too, Serge, on those keeper leagues where these guys are getting drafted much later in the draft. Let's say somebody like Jordan Addison is going to get drafted in round anywhere from round 10 to 14, and he ends up hitting the way Jamar Chase did, the way Justin Jefferson did, and those guys, when they're drafted later, you are more likely to be able to keep them for multiple years, having the the, the keepers drop down two rounds per year. I'm assuming that's what you do in your league? We actually don't. Okay. We don't, but I know most leagues do. They allow you more time the lesser you pick. So, yeah, I right. know what you, you know, have, so, yeah. so that's a guy who becomes a stud and now everybody's keeping a Justin Jefferson for three years and it only counts towards round 10, round eight, round six. That's how you sort of have a big advantage over other players in those leagues. So in terms of rookies, I I would say I like that. I like Zay Flowers in Baltimore as a guy who should get a lot of targets from, um, from, from Jackson. Um, Those are really the two wide outs. Obviously the wide receiver who has drafted, um, out of Ohio State in Seattle. Um, it's going to be a wide receiver three on that team, but you know I think Lockett's getting a little bit older, so I think he might slip into the uh, into the two range. So rookies in terms of that, the, and obviously Bijan Robinson's the biggest upside uh, running back in Atlanta Falcons offense where they have an average quarterback in Desmond Ryder, and he can catch a ball at backfield. Great blocker, um, great running back, goal line running back, should get touchdowns and won't um, see the bench much. Okay. Injuries, okay? And I know that we're covering all this stuff right now before we get into players and, you know, we're going to get into all that. 
But I'm trying to set a picture of what goes through your mind as you're preparing for your draft. Because, yeah, the player stuff is simple. But there's a lot of other stuff. Like I said, the the, the ideology that you would have going into certain scenarios. We spoke about the rookies. Speak to me about the injuries. How do you handle a guy like a Barkley who has missed over 20 games in five years, essentially, the time. He's basically missed a whole season. How do you handle a guy like that and then... Um, but obviously, he, he's a high talent that could make a difference and win you a year. How much importance do you put on injuries? I, I mean, I would place a great importance on that. Actually, being a physical therapist and sort of knowing the details and the timeline of how long injuries take to recover in season and how likely guys are to come back at 100% off season, I place a huge emphasis. I mean, I tend to be the person who even on really good players ends up trying to trade those guys um, who get injured because I just don't like holding injured players. Not only um, do they take up bench spots, which in some leagues they're short bench spots. I play in a league that only has five bench spots of Correct. one of them, right? But but when I don't know if they have an injured reserve even spot you know spot for that. But also, how effective is that person going to be having come back from that injury two, three, four weeks in? So let's break it down into the this off season. Guys who are injured, specifically, let's say Tony Pollard, who had a really bad injury. Um, in surgery coming off Brees of, Hall, uh, right? Brees Hall coming off of you know essentially big years, but at the end of the year got injured, who are all ready to kind of roll right around now um, and come back. But should you should take that with caution because let's take Brees Hall, for example. He's coming off a major ACL, the evil triad in the knee, a major ACL reconstructive surgery. I would be a little bit careful with him because he you have to temper your expectations off of what he did last year. So he he exploded onto the scene, was probably the number one running back drafted out of um the in the draft the year before and had a great rookie season until he got hurt. So so he's the guy that you feel might be better in a head-to-head league because you can you can benefit from him week six, six yes. through 17. Right. Head-to-head yeah. leagues, I'm playing with the playoffs in mind. Correct. I'm okay going 500 in the first eight weeks, but I want my guys to kick it sort of, you know, towards playoff time. Same thing with suspensions, like Williams in, in, in Detroit. I'm very, yeah, Camara. I'm very high on Williams in Detroit to catch in the, you know, between the 6th to 10th round because I think he's going to be a stud wide receiver in that offense opposite one other receiver there, right? They don't even have Hawkinson to throw to. They don't dump the ball to Swift anymore, so it's really, I'm, not on, even I'm on St. Brown. Yeah, right, right Philly. So I, I, I would say for Brees Hall, and it still scares me a little bit if I'm doing my drafts in the next week or week and a half that that's the team that could end up with Dalvin Cook so I'd be a little bit careful on on Brees Hall in terms of somebody like Saquon Barkley whose injuries were in the past and he had major injuries to ACL reconstruction and a major high ankle sprain and broken uh 
ankle that he has shown that he recovered from those injuries made it through a full season last year is coming back pretty healthy works hard in his off season so i'm less afraid of, of him tony pollard who you see on everybody's must draft list i'm very high on him mostly because he has no competition from ezekiel elliott unless they sign him again and i'd be tempered on that a little bit that's definitely a possibility that zeke if he doesn't sign goes back to Jerry Jones based on loyalty and garners a lot of the goal line touchdowns that he stole from Pollard last year. But I'd be a little bit careful there because his injury, like Brees Hall, will alter the way that he's running. Brees Hall's game specifically was predicated on stopping ghosts, cutting, and quick burst type movements. That will not be there for the first half of the season. You can see that on the injury that Pollard had, both of them combined off of Odell Beckham. Beckham had the ankle injury and the ACL injury, and it's sort of a shell of his former self. I mean, he's coming to a decent Baltimore situation, but he is, you know, older and ha coming off of both those injuries. And when he used to take the crossing route for five yards and take it to the house with the Giants, that's not the type of player he is anymore. So I, I caution against guys who have injury. I drop those guys. If I can draft a comparable player at the position, I tend to draft a healthier player. A healthier player. Last question before we get into players. Certain leagues have limits by position. I know we just went to that in our league, right? Five running back limit. Because in a 12-player league, you're trying to limit somebody stacking eight running backs because they have a quarterback that they're going to play all the time and not going to match up with. Or in a situation I know last year in my league, somebody had Tyreek Hill and uh, Adams. So you were never going to match up. So they rode the whole season basically with two wide receivers. They only picked up a wide receiver on the weeks that those guys had buys. Do you, if you have limits on position, do you focus more now on handcuffing the, the starting running back with the backup? Or once you have your two starters, you really just go best available. You're not even going to sweat that. I think there are two different types of strategies. So everybody is very intent on backing up and handcuffing their superstars. My issue with that is most of the backups are not that good. There are only a couple of backups in this league, the way Matt Battenson was to Delvin Cook, that are worth backing up that position and using up a roster spot because even if most of those guys start, they're not that good anyway. Correct. And people can't wait. They can't wait to be able to get that um, situation where they draft the backup and they feel like they're okay with taking um, that guy because you know you can play a Mattinson. Guess what happened in most of those situations? That guy is terrible when he's in a, a starting situation. Very rarely is there a backup running back who can start if a guy gets injured from yeah, a Yeah, like Pollard did when Yeah, with Pollard's Z. a different yeah, example. Yeah, but that's a because, different, right, yeah, but I know what uh, you mean. You know, so, so I tend not to handcuff. If I am in, uh, it's, it's based on different strategies. If I am going heavy wide receiver, so there, there's a devaluation of running backs nowadays. So if I'm going wide receiver heavy, especially early, and I like the strategy of going two wide receivers early, long, especially if I have a draft pick, late in the first round, if I'm in a 12-team league and I'm at 11 or 12 and I'm a quick turnaround, I tend to draft two wide receivers, get the two best stud wide receivers. What I'm doing in that situation is, even if there's a limit of five running backs, I'm getting sort of a running back three 
and then taking four running back fours and hoping that one of them, you know, is going to come up like, you know, kind of like Gibbs in Detroit guys like that are going to, you know, would end up being sort of a starter. And then I have two stud wide receivers and two decent running backs. So, but at the same time, you know, when you're in a league that has a limit to the number of players that you can, you know, you can draft, which is five or four. The, the bottom part of those guys tend to be the guys that you d- drop when you're picking up free agents, right? So so if I'm, I instead of stacking, you know, sort of backup running backs, I'm going to actually take a flyer on that guy. And when it comes towards bye weeks, which is kind of the 1B to this question, because I never, ever, ever look at bye weeks when I'm drafting. I don't care if I have 10 guys on the same bye week. That's not how I'm drafting. Interesting. I will figure out how to fill in those spots, one. I will make trades if I need to, two. Most guys get injured anyway, three. And if I have to take, if I'm killing it the rest of the week, I have to take sort of a, a donut on that one week, I'll take it. Because I, there are so many guys who do their strategies and take lesser talented players because they're on somebody, they're not on somebody else's bye week. That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, the I would tell you that if you're in a head-to-head league, though, you got to be careful though with with some of the buys thing. I do. I mean, I definitely can understand that. Okay, but you, what you don't want to do, if I were to look at bye week stuff, is sort of what you said, Serge. If you have um, a Josh Allen that you know that you're playing and you're not ever taking out, right? right. Unless you're in a two quarterback league, and you know you have a, an RB one and an RB uh, wide receiver one, and you're happy with those guys, yeah. you can, you if you can build a deep enough bench or some of those guys hit, you'll slide those guys right in on bye weeks. And also, you just don't want to stack a lot of players on bye weeks that are consecutive weeks. So if I've got four guys, right? If I've got yeah. four guys on a bye week week seven and I got four really good players now on you a got, bye now week, you gotta, week eight, now, you now gotta, you're yeah. gonna lose two games. Exactly. You see, so that's the only thing if I were to look, you gotta be careful with. Well, let's get into players because that's why people are listening. We went through the strategy of the of the different leagues and how you go about starting this. Let's talk about the quarterback position. In most leagues, the quarterback obviously is basically a mirror of the real stuff going on on the field, right? Without a good quarterback, you probably can't win. Although I will tell you that in fantasy, if you find an ultra-consistent QB, i.e. Kirk Cousins, you can win if you're solid or you know good at, at other positions. With the quarterbacks being, let's say, 15 deep. Well, let me start there. How many fantasy football quarterbacks, not real life, how many fantasy football quarterbacks do you believe are legit guys that you can put out there every week? I mean, I would say they're probably between 18 and 20 legitimate quarterbacks that you can put out there every week. To throw for 250, except for for Daniel Jones, because he only throws 15 touchdown passes, though. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. But they have... It, it all it, it to me quarterbacks drafting quarterbacks and let, we're going to eliminate the two quarterback leagues that's a whole different Correct. animal okay Correct. is is that you, you, i i draft quarterbacks based on runs 
in my head, I know there are guys that I want. And in my head, and when you look at a lot of mock drafts, the top-tier quarterbacks of Allen, essentially Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts and and Joe Burrow, um, essentially go in the third or fourth round, give or take, right? But if there are guys who really are hard up in getting those guys, and so let's say Josh Allen or, or Mahomes goes... In the second round, middle yeah, of the Yeah, because that's what round. happens. You get a guy go, and now it messes up People the whole panic. draft. People yep. actually go into yep. to, to, um, quarterback panic. It happens in baseball drafts with, with closers. You see one closer go, then two picks later, second closer go, and now there's a run on closer. So if depending on where I'm situated in the that round and the wraparound round, um, I will either sort of jump in if I think that it's a spot where I want a stud quarterback and I have fulfilled my wide receiver one and two or wide receiver one and running back one, then I will jump in. I'll tell you where I tend to jump in on those is if I have a wide receiver, let's say I draft a Stefan Diggs as my wide receiver one at the end of the first round, I will be that person that will draft a Josh Allen a little earlier than I would have thought that I was going to. So you can double that's point right. it. So I double bang the touchdowns at the end of the second round or early third round. That's when I would tend to do that. Back in the day, it would be Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, double those guys. That kind of, you know, maybe A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurst. I, I kind of like to do that because you really do double up on the touchdowns. The other thing that you have to consider when you're considering quarterbacks is a scoring. We talked about really looking at your league scoring. There are leagues that give six points for a touchdown for a quarterback. There are leagues that give four points for a touchdown for a quarterback. Okay. There are leagues that give a point for every 10 yards passing. There are, there are leagues that give a point for the first 100 yards and then a point for every 10 yards. So you got to really look at the scoring because on the quarterbacks that um, get four points for a touchdown, you're dropping the quarterback down a round or two in the, that kind of scoring format. Okay, give me your top quarterback. If you, all things being equal, you go in there, you've already picked what you have to pick. Now you're up. You know in your mind you need a quarterback. Who's the guy this year? I, I would say most people would say Mahomes or Allen. I have two issues with those guys, if you could even fathom. Mahomes is losing wide receivers. If you lo- look at his wide receivers that he's throwing to, you're looking at Kadarius Tony. Richie James, um, Sky Moore. It really relies on Travis Kelsey, who when there's not a fly guy on the outside, because they, they lost their fly guys on the outside, um, and it's just scantling on the outside, nobody's going to be scared of their wide receivers. And what's going to happen is Travis Kelsey, who I love as a, a tight end one that's an obvious, you know, maybe mid to late first round, he's getting older. Maybe now they double Travis with a, a linebacker who can cover tight ends and bring a safety down because they don't have to worry about the wide receiver over the top, right? That team scares me a bit. When you've seen in the past when Patrick Mahomes has had to improvise more often than not, he's thrown a lot of interceptions. I also love Isaiah Pacheco. I think that the team structures their offense a little bit more on the running game than they have in the past. That's him. Josh Allen. Love Josh Allen because he brings the running component that other 
um, quarterbacks don't bring. There's got to be some time, and we have seen this in the history, and you go back to the Dante Culpeppers and the Randall Cunninghams all the way to RG3s. At some point, he's going to get hit really hard because he doesn't go down, and there's a huge injury risk that nobody talks about. And to mention that, the back half of the second part of the season last year, he was dealing and played through an elbow injury that's still there. Okay, he had a tendonitis, lateral epicondylitis injury, that if he throws the ball a ton, that's going to be there. I like his wide receivers, obviously, more than Mahomes, so I would put him over Mahomes because you have to love the targets to Diggs, and you have to love the targets to Davis, who I think is going to have a back bounce back season. He was the hype guy last year. And I think James Cook out of the backfield has a good season, and he's going to get 40 to 60 catches. The guy I would pick number one is Jalen Hurts. I would take him because not only, and again, coming off a little bit of an injury, an AC um, injury that cost him the last couple of games of the regular season, but I think he's hungry because I think they thought they should have won the Super Bowl. And I think that he's got great players to throw to. If it's A.J. Brown, if it's Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Goddard is an underrated tight end. And then out of the backfield, DeAndre Swift is a great running back who will catch 40 to 60 balls out of the backfield. So my number one would be Hurst. And he tends to steal the goal line touches away from the running back too. So I would take him one. I'm going to tell you why I wouldn't touch Jalen Hurst this year. I'm going to tell you that the biggest factor in the NFC East this year is going to be the schedule. To me, all those teams, them, to me, the Giants beat one team with a winning record, made the playoffs last year. And the team that they beat, they beat in the playoffs, Minnesota, who was also a fraud. The Cowboys and the Eagles, to me, got fat on a lot of bad teams last year, particularly the, the crossover in the AFC. I don't know if the type of offense that they were benefiting from last year Statistically, we're talking about Hurts. Being able to run and all those double options, I don't know if that's going to be there like it was this past year. And, and you know, in fantasy, unlike real life, and kind of you, one thing that a lot of people don't look, look at, and I know you were talking, we talked a little bit um, off the air about having uh, to look at our guy, are the team playing in the stadiums, that are enclosed versus um, bad weather. And the bad weather teams obviously are, are more affected by the cold and the snow, like Deshaun Watson. He might run more in the winter months, stuff like that. Um, Justin Fields, et cetera, et cetera. But you, um, the only thing is, is that games that get out of hand when you're playing a bad team and you're that offense tend to be lower numbered games. What Hurts did really well last year is he killed it with a lot of points early in the game. Then they went to the running game with Miles Sanders in the latter part of the game, right? When you're in more competitive games and you have a good defense like the Eagles do, their top three defense, he's going to have to really use Well, he's going to play four quarters. He'll play four quarters. You're right. And he'll have to use his skill set players right when games get you the really the ideal ironically um and this is sort of Dak Prescott type numbers we talk about that Matt Stafford empty type calories numbers, right empty, empty calorie calories. Dak there's empty cal- nothing but empty calorie is is in great fa- in fantasy. fantasy world there's yeah. nothing better you want a quarterback who is a good quarterback with good weapons with a very bad defense 
There's no better recipe for success than that. Yeah. So I I understand your point. Definitely yeah. possible. But I think that, the, you know, it's interesting because the Cowboys have an aggressive defense. The Eagles have a pretty good aggressive defense. Giants defense is fields. getting better. You know, Redskins getting a little bit better. But I don't think that they're defenses that will stop all of their, all their weapons per se. Rank these quarterbacks for me. And then we'll move on to the running backs. Trevor Lawrence. Justin Herbert. Lamar Jackson. Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott. I would probably almost I'm gonna say give him, in the I'm ranking to, I'm going to give them to you again just so that you, you have them, okay? You have Lawrence, Herbert, Jackson, Prescott, and Rodgers. I, I would say if I had to rank that group, I would go Herbert first. I think Her, Herbert was second in the league in pass attempts last year. Because I think that adding Johnson out of TCU is going to be the weapon that he needs. You have Allen, who is still consistent over the middle, uh, PPR wide receiver. Mike Williams, in watching what they're doing in the preseason, is now running a lot of in routes. I think that creates, I love Herbert. Yeah, I think that creates a situation where he gets as long as he can stay on the field. He's always injured. Um, creates more situation from him, and he throws seven to ten balls a game to Eckler, who is dangerous enough as a running back to be able to gain a lot of yards for Herbert there. So I would say Herbert is one on that list, and he's very. Durable. He played through that cartilage injury that he had in the rib from that uh, Monday night game that he got last year and showed how tough he actually is. Um, and I don't think the large contract is going to deter him from becoming one of the best quarterbacks the NFL has ever seen. I would say second on that list, I probably would say Jackson. Um, I think Jackson's going to throw more this year. He's going to use his leg like he always See, I just does. just don't trust him I mean, as a thrower. The problem with him is not a good thrower. And, and if they go down 10 nothing, game's over. Yeah, I, right. No, exactly. That's actually true. He's terrible at coming back. They mm. need to, you know, but when all said and done, somehow through smoke and mirrors, he ends up with 25 points a game. And you know the reason why. Because if you're in leagues where they count a point per 10 yards rushing, he's almost at 100 yards every game. And he's going to hit on a touchdown every other game. So all he needs to do is get about 200 to 225 yards a game and one to two touchdowns, and he's getting 25 points per game. I think Andrews needs to step up. He had an injury riddled and down season last year. Odell Beckham has to show stuff. I think Zay Flowers might be the guy who gets the most targets out of that offense. That's going to be the weapon that he needs to replace uh, Marquise Brown from the year before. I love and I'm very high on Trevor Lawrence, mostly for one reason, and we haven't gotten to the wide receivers, but one of the wide receivers that I think is very much worthy of a late second, early third round pick is Calvin Ridley. He missed last year, not because of injuries, but because of a gambling issue, right? So that's somebody who's coming fresh. And I've he- never liked him as a one but I love him as Great a two. As a two. Because of yeah. the targets, you know, people always said he needed Julio Jones on the other mm-hmm. side. Who's on the other side of this? You know, Christian Kirk, those guys, they're average. But 
Travis Etienne, while I like him as a running back, is not a pass-catching running back out of the backfield. Trevor Lawrence, while he can scramble, kind of the like Aaron Rodgers you know, did when he was younger, he's not a running quarterback. He's going to be throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game. That's gonna, and that's, there's your situation. And they're going to win that division. I, I definitely agree with that. There's your situation of an improved defense because they're good in the front seven, but not a defense that's going to hold teams to seven to ten points. These are going to be shootout games. And so I like Trevor Lawrence a lot in that situation, mostly because of Calvin Ridley. If he comes back to Cam where he's in shape and he's healthy, I love him. And then off of that, I probably would go, I probably would go Prescott than Rodgers. Prescott Rodgers. Yeah, okay, I mean, Rodgers is in a situation where he's going to prove himself. I, he's used to playing in cold weather. So that stadium, not going to bother with the, the wind. The cold doesn't bother. The wind is what becomes Yeah, the wind might Asia. be different than, than Green Bay. Exactly. Ironically, it's better to be minus 35 than to have the winds when, that are in Oh my in, God, in yeah. I tell stadium. people all the time when I do my gambling stuff that the weather doesn't affect the game at, um, unless it's a torrential downpour on grass. The wind is the issue. Right, that's worse. That's exactly. worse. That's actually worse. You're right. And so I probably would say that situation, I would go Prescott because I think Prescott, I think C.D. and Lamb's going to have an absolutely huge year. Their offense is always tough. Yeah, and Pollard too. I think they're going to miss Dalton Schultz a little bit. Uh, right? No, a lot, bit. a lot, a lot of it. A lot of it. Because I actually like him, <laughs> yeah. and he is one of my, my, my tight end sleepers in Houston yeah. because I think Mills has nobody to throw the ball to, um, you know, there. But, but – I, I think that's going to be – I think he gets his legs back a little bit because they're they're missing Ezekiel Elliott in the red zone. And Tony Pollard, while he is a great running back, is a home run hitter running back. So I think I could see Prescott getting five rushing touchdowns from the red zone, which was sort of missing from his game the last two years. Okay, really quick here because I want to get to the running backs. I'm going to ask you a question. Just give me a quick answer here. Do we expect a decent year from Deshaun Watson? Yes. Is I said Russell Wilson was done three years ago. Do you even entertain ever drafting him? I mean, the only issue there and the only reason why I would entertain this is Sean Payton. Sean Payton runs the Drew Brees type offense. I, I actually, in that whole situation, I don't think that Russell Wilson's numbers are going to be that great. I, I, don't, I think his ability to run now has been diminished. That's always been a huge part of his game, an underrated part of his game. I think Jerry Judy has the biggest season of anybody on that team. I don't trust Javante Williams either. I think if I were to draft one guy from that team, it would be Jerry Judy. I think Carr's going to have a nice year in New Orleans. Yeah. Do you agree? I agree with that because he has the ability to throw the deep ball. He doesn't make the mistakes that... Um, that Winston would make. And and I think Chris Olave stepped into a, a borderline wide receiver one, two there. And another sleeper there on tight end. I know we're, I'm jumping the gun a little bit. Juwan Johnson out of Penn State um, happened to have seven touchdowns last year. He was a top 15, right? He's a big time sleeper tight end. Somebody wants to draft him as a backup or wait till the end of the draft to get him. But they've got more weapons than you think that they have. The one thing that scares me there is the sort of the the amount of touchdowns that Williams gets. You know, he led the you know the league last year in touchdowns, having vultured all those touchdowns from Swift, you know, in Detroit. So I think that's how they utilize him. So Carr in the red zone might be a little funky because Olave is not a really big receiver. Most overrated quarterback in fantasy this year will be. I'm gonna tell you a shocking one, I have to tell you, is Joe Burrow. Give me the most Underrated sleeper pick at quarterback. Jared Goff. I I think he was consistent last year. I had Goff 
I'm telling you, Goff probably started. I picked him up on free agency like week three or four. He was phenomenal for yeah. me. Not good, phenomenal yeah. for me. There's there's your waiting on the quarterbacks like quarterback who's consistent every season. Um, it, it's a weird situation because he loses Hawkinson, who was about a 60 to 70 re reception guy and doesn't have Williams back for the first six weeks of the season. But I'm on St. Brown, who should you know be drafted in a, a ton of leagues as everybody's wide receiver one is you know good for about 90 to 100 catches as long as jared goff stays healthy i think that team is big time on the rise in terms they win of that offense. division too yeah, yeah, no, i agree with that too the running back position has been diminished in the nfl and we get it everybody's gone to the by committee in a lot of situations or they've got or if they have an elite level running back uh like the top five or six guys that we've mentioned that nauseam here they will milk them for three or four years. And yeah. then if you want to leave, go get your money. Right, yeah. That's your problem. Right. We're not going to give it to you. And it almost seems like there's a collusion going on now where they have an internal price that they believe you meet. And they are basically sticking to that across the board. But in fantasy football, particularly in a 12 team league running backs are at a premium because somebody's got to play that position and yeah some guys benefit from the ppr league and up but in a standard league like like the one i have the running back position is still huge okay give me when you look at that position give me guys that you will not skip over if you're drafting and they're in front of you give me the guys that you need to have, okay? I'm going to actually make a really good point. It's funny because old school fantasy football players like you and I, who we've been doing this for a very long time, are so hell-bent and having our, stuck in our head, you got to get two running backs first. Well, you were killing me because I told you I might keep three in my keeper league. But the problem is the way it's set up, my receiver that I could have is Keenan Allen. Right, not good enough. That's my yeah, point. Right. I'd rather have Brees Hall yes. off the injury yeah. as my number three right. than to have Keenan Allen. I think I could get another Keenan Allen yeah, in the draft. Fifth or sixth round. A hundred percent. Because you, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure where you drafted Brees Hall, but the situation we are talking about before, because he was a rookie. If you got somebody like Brees Hall. I actually, I got him. Essentially, he was a fourth round, round pick okay. because I, he was in the first round. Uh, after the three keepers, okay. so he was. So, so I like him coming into this year because you'll get good value uh, for him because he is essentially your RB three in the three that you told me. Correct. Because you, uh, you are in a two running back league. I'm in a two running starter. back league. So he, yeah, he'll be your flex or whatever yeah. will be your bye week. It hurts to not keep a starter. Yeah, but in the long term for the playoff leagues. Yeah, had, right. So I, I I agree with that that strategy and and also you want to maximize your value out of him. Um, because you kept him, you drafted him in the fourth round. I would say even more to the point for the guys that we talked about who got drafted as rookies much later on in the draft. Let's say you hypothetically, you drafted Brees Hall in the 12th round or 14th round. Even more so, you want to keep that guy because if he's good the second half of this season, really good, like he probably will be, then you don't want somebody else to have him for next year. Okay? But I would say, in in, in, in and so... It, the league's getting off of these two 
running backs drafted in the first two rounds type of thing. But I would, you know, point to the fact that you should not leave round two without one stud running back. And really, you're looking for the running back who's the bell cow. You need that guy who you know can get 25 to 30 carries a game because they're only, you can count them on two hands. There are not that many of those. You don't want to start your running back team. Let's say you go wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback, and now you're drafting your first running back in round four who is potentially splitting carries with somebody else or who they want to protect and, and only give you know eight to ten carries and get catches out of the backfield. The running backs that bother me before I give you my list of the ones that I have to have and who are very unpredictable are, are guys like Gibbs out of, out of Detroit, guys like Khalil Herbert out of Chicago, because there's another really good running back there in David Montgomery. Correct. You know, mind you, he got, Who's underachieved yeah, the last couple of years, but he's a guy that you're right. He can go off at any time. And he's really going to get 15 to 20 carries. Okay. And it's also a guy who's going to get the goal line touches because he's bigger. The only thing with Montgomery is an injury history. So you're banking on almost that happening, but it's, you know, drafting running back who you're banking on catching balls is like drafting a basketball team for guys who have a high average of steals. You really know how many steals somebody's going to get in the given game. But you you got to steal first. You can't steal first, right? <laughs> that's the other yeah. thing that yeah. right? basketball and baseball, right? Yeah. You can really like, that's what it is. So, and also in a head to head, is this guy going to have, four steals in this game, but none in the next game. So I'm very cautious. I'd rather draft a guy who is good for, you know, 15 to 18 touches, 80 to 90 yards, and two to three catches a game. And no, I can kind of get that across where I got a better shot at 15 to 20 points, maybe a touchdown, than a guy who is a specialist. I don't like those guys. So I would kind of lean away from those guys. You know, I will tell you, you know what I found interesting when I was – you know, going over some publications and seeing what guys are thinking with running backs, right? How low in the two or three publications that I did see, how low they have Joe Mixon. They have him close to the 20s, right? And I think he's been pretty, yeah, solid. pretty solid. Yeah, he's been healthy for two years. Correct, right? But how many, I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked you before, and we're going to get into the running back. How many running backs, and I guess it's tied into the initial question that I asked you, how many running backs do you believe you ha are, like I said, guys you have to pick from jump? If I, I mean, I, I would probably say the list is, is, is probably maybe 15 deep total, and I'm looking to draft a 1A, 1B, 1C, come out of that, and a high you know, potential type of guy or really good backup guy. That's how I'll structure my four running backs. The guy, they sort of the guys that I think are going to go off this year are guys who um, are on teams who, believe it or not, have don't either don't have a really good quarterback. So let's get. Let me give you an example of White out of Tampa Bay. I really like him without Fournette in the picture, right? I really like White in that situation because while you have Godwin and Evans who are two really good wide receivers. Is May Baker Mayfield really going to light it up as a quarterback? He's not. He'll end up dumping balls to White, and White will carry the ball 20 times a game, right? And their defense is not any good anymore, so they want to keep the other team's offense off. off Correct. Right? And, you know, guys like, believe it or not, like I mentioned before, Pacheco, who even though you have Mahomes, you're not dealing with top-end 
you know, um, wide receivers. Ramonde uh, Stevenson, I think, is a guy who could be who was drafted as an RB two, who could be an RB one, because I again, there's nobody to throw the ball to there. I like situations like that. Bijan Robinson, big time, even though he's a rookie, um, and essentially guys like Cam Akers. That's a, that's an offense that Matt Stafford is coming off a major injury. Cooper Cup is injured already in the preseason. I think Cam Akers who killed it, averaged 16 fantasy points per game the last six games of the season. He's now a year and a half removed from his Achilles tendon uh, repair. I think Cam Akers actually becomes a bell cow there and has a really good season. Damian Pierce finally gets the running back backup help that he needs to not wear down at the end of games because he is a bulldozer of a running back and he now has Devin Singletary to take 8 to 10 carries a game. While, while fantasy players think that that's a bad thing, in the end it's actually a good thing. Correct. Right? And so they have nobody to throw the ball to. Michi is probably the best wide receiver. You know, Schultz gets a bunch of balls. Mills doesn't roll. I think that's a team that Damian Pierce can be sneaky good as an RB2 drafted probably in round you know five through seven. And then kind of dropping down a little bit later. And guys, fantasy players forget James Conner. James Conner is coming off a major season where he's the only one in that offense. There's no Kyler Murray. They lost Hopkins. Um, you know, and they have a situation where he is um, gets 25 to 30 carries. He is a major force in the red zone. Scored a ton of touchdowns last year. These guys, because he's older, he's had a couple injuries, had a couple bad seasons. He's a guy that falls down. So that's the that's the example of the guys that I get, that I gave you that are drafted between rounds sort of four through six. That if you want to double up on wide two stud wide receivers early, because that position is much more scarce. You could go, go get those guys. Receivers, get a quarterback, then get those guys. How do you handle a situation like McCaffrey in San Francisco where they do tend to use, you know, a, a bunch of backs? Now, I think in a PPR league, you don't have to scheme around him. If he's there, you got to take him. But in a head-to-head league with no PPR stuff, it, I think he's I, – I just don't see the value in him as, as high as, you know, in other leagues. Yeah, so – I agree with that, actually. And he's always hurt. That On top of that, he's always hurt. It's so true that he's always hurt. It happened to be last year, and I think it was only because of the situation of him going between two teams and Elijah Mitchell being a really good backup. So if you're drafting Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell would be one of those five guys that I would handcuff because he could become a very good top 15 starting running back if he were to take over when and if McCaffrey got hurt but Christian McCaffrey is a home run hitter still you know so that's one of those weird situations where he's gonna they're gonna watch him a little bit he'll get balls done to him so he's looking at 15 to 18 to 20 carries a game and and four to five catches a game which is great but whenever he's drafted number one overall he is terrible he has killed teams by being drafted one overall I would rather believe it or not hit one of the two or three stud wide receivers first even though that's hard to believe that you're going to take Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase before you took a Christian McCaffrey, but I would actually go with that strategy if it were me in a PPR league, right? Because, um, you know, because of McCaffrey's sort of situation, you don't even know what's going to happen between Purdy and Trey Lance. They're pretty healthy enough with his 
um, situation with his wrist and elbow to be, you know, or is that without a fluke, you know, um, and what's Trey Lance going to do? Trey Lance ends up being the quarterback or a takeover at some point. He's very much a running quarterback, and that hurts a guy like Christian McCaffrey. How do you handle a situation like Eckler's where he's there in a disgruntled yeah. situation? You know, you never know. At some point, he might not play hurt now, right? right? Because right. You, you, how do you, you know, and I don't mean hurt like, if he's hurt, he's hurt. Yeah. I'm talking about in, little, in, Nicks, little Nicks, Nicks. Exactly, exactly. Like, that would be my concern with a guy like Barkley. Yeah. It's funny because you can take two ends of the spectrum on sort of that issue because you have, I think, believe it or not, those two guys come out and have massive seasons um, because I think they're actually playing for their last potential big contract. They're both on sort of franchise tags like – Contracts, even though Saquon's getting a, you know, a little bit more for incentives that are really high. If you look at those, that Giants made the playoffs, 1,350 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 65 catches. Not so easy to hit. But if he's trying to hit those incentives and then play for one more contract, and Ekelar is doing the same thing, I would take it one step further, Serge, and actually kind of reverse what you're talking about. It's, it's the reverse of not playing injured. It's actually, I think they have the potential of staying out there and playing when they are actually injured because they don't want to, especially Saquon, Eckler really hasn't been hurt, who now what do you do? Now you're sort of questionable for two or three games. They're going to use that against him in contract negotiations. So I think you're more at risk of watching guys get tweaked, limp off a field, hold on you know, a shoulder that they landed hard on, and doing everything they can to convince the coach to put them in and play them, shoot them up and go back out philosophy. You mentioned earlier that you think a guy like Ezekiel Elliott could end up back in Dallas. I believe Zeke, and I spoke to someone who feels the same way and is in the league and covers it day to day, that Zeke's going to end up in New England. That's their belief. And I, and, and I kind of agree because I believe that there's a necessity or an ability to use him in that situation. Not to mention that New England's going to be better than a lot of people think. And even though that league is a monster because the other three teams are loaded, they finally have an offensive coordinator, which was embarrassing what they did last year, putting Matt Patricia there. But they have a real offensive coordinator. They look good. I could see a scenario where if you're drafting and you want a running back, a sleeper running back that's late. Now, Zeke is done by his standards. He's not that good anymore. But he was still very productive. He was actually dropped in a lot of leagues. Exactly. Picked up in one guy's league last year. Exactly. So I think he's a guy that could end up, you could take in the round 12, 13. Yeah. yeah. And pick him up. And he might end up as a starting running back yeah, in no, New England. Or at least doing there. The same, and then I want you to touch on Cook also. And because, you know, he, he's in a situation where... Especially in your league, search where the, the standard format, where touchdowns are really weighted higher than anything up to this point, he's the guy who's getting two touchdowns a game. That's, what, that's why people won last year off of 55 yards, two catches, but two touchdowns and getting 18 points. Correct. And, and so I, it depends when you're drafting on all these guys. Cook, him, uh, Leonard Fournette, who actually, for all intents and purposes, had good numbers last year too. Correct. So people think he's bad. 
but he caught a ton of balls last year, and he and he was very productive and and winning people head to head games, especially early on. So I I think those guys take you know uh you know cheap contracts, uh trying to play for maybe a one to two year, and that that that's it. They're done. But I like the New England situation because Ramondre Stevenson, although he was splitting carries with Damian Harris last year also has been kind of one of those guys who, like Mattinson, hasn't really shown that he can handle that bell cow rope, right? Don't correct, you correct. Right? So people are so high on him because they know he, this team's not going to throw something back. Jones doesn't throw the ball a lot. And Zeke is still an old-school running back. Oh, yeah, he he's a great blocker, and he's a, and he and who gets more old-school than Belichick? That's why I think that yeah, when I was told that, oh uh, yeah, yeah, but when I was told that, I said, you know what? I see it. I see it. Yeah, I can see that. Actually, I think that's a good point. What about Cook? Where do you think he ends up? I still think the Jets. I, I, I can't say people are leaning towards New Orleans at this point. I can't imagine that. They're very crowded in the backfield. I think Brees Hall comes out, and, and he plays a bunch of snaps in preseason. And you'll see, while people will try to hide this, and his workouts have been good, they'll try to hide this and say Brees Hall's good to go, looks good in practice, but Till you sort of put on the pads and go game speed against regular players, you'll never know how good he is. I think he's potentially three, four um, games out, but a league like yours, it's good because he'll be fine playoff time. But I think that's a perfect set for Cook. If you can draft, Cook is, is not sitting out this year, okay? And Cook is, is removed enough from the shoulder injury that he's still going to be very productive. So if you can take a flyer on Cook, in, in sort of rounds seven to nine, and he's still sitting there, I would do the Harvey because at, in the end, he could be, uh, you know, second or third round value easily, especially in the keeper league, where now you've got a guy round seven, eight, or nine who you can keep for a year or two at that value. So I, I actually like Cook, a t- I'd like Cook more than Zeke for obvious. Oh, no, I know he's a better running back. I, like I like the fit of both of those those guys. Can you see him anywhere else other than, than the Jets? Do you have a team where you can see him? I mean, see, I can't see Dallas just because although they do need another back, I agree with you. They're more likely to just go get Zeke back yeah. and plug and play a hundred percent. And this has been the problem with Pollard. They they've been holding the reins on him. Exactly. You gotta let his. You gotta see what you have in him, and he's playing off a very cheap contract. I'll give you a team. I I don't understand what the Chicago Bears are doing. I I think that would be an interesting situation for him. Um, because he knows the league. Field Herbert knows that league. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit dangerous because Fields runs like a running back. But just like the way Jackson runs like a running back, the Baltimore Ravens have always been able to find a way to get J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards to be productive as a fantasy player. Give me your top running back this year. I would say in this order, I would say I would draft Eckler one because he's still – he's. Hungry, he's been healthy, and they give him a ton of touches. And Herbert, he's always Herbert's dumb guy. Mm-hmm. I probably would say two McCaffrey, three Pollard, four Bijan Robinson, then five Barkley. Give me your most overrated running back guy that you would stay away from. I would say undoubtedly there would be two. Good. It would be Josh Jacobs because you don't know his situation. Okay. And the teams that he's tied to have other really good running backs. And I and and I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty on the on the Montgomery, but the number one bust guy in my opinion, Najee Harris. Najee Harris sort of like was what came on the scene 
and and killed it year one. And he was the top three or four pick at that position last year and, and killed teams who drafted him there. He was he's missing something. He he was dancing around. He was there was something missing in his game last year. I think Kenny Pickett takes a step up, not into tier two, but solid tier three range as a quarterback. And I see him utilizing Pickens and Johnson. Johnson's one of my real sleeper wide receivers because he had zero touchdowns. That's not going to happen last year. A ton of targets. Um, I see him utilizing those guys. And Pat Firemuth becomes the dump off, big time, 50 catch, 8 to 10 touchdown guy more than Najee gets the, the catches. So we move to that special position of wide receiver, which you believe is basically more of an importance than running back. And look, you can't start talking about wide receivers in fantasy without discussing Jefferson cup, Adams Hill and Diggs, Right. And then on top of that, throw chase and lamb in that mix. If you look at probably the next tier of guys, your AJ Browns, St. Brown, who you said earlier is going to have a big year and you start rattling off these guys. At what point do you believe you reach? Give me the A-tier wide receivers. How many of them? 8, 10, 12? I probably would say 8. I'd stop at Brown. Okay. Give me then the next, the, the second tier. How Where does it go? Into the 20s? I think that's a big drop-off. Those are clear wide receiver two. And I probably would end that one with like, DJ Moore, Keenan Allen type player, and that's probably eight to ten down. Yeah, because you could get see, because there's guys that I've seen in, like I said, in 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 that they're predicting in these in the uh, in the fantasy football stuff. Guys, and, and and the reason I go to it, and let me tell you something. So I'm very arrogant when it comes to this stuff. Like I read this to find out what other guys are going to be doing. Because I believe that 9 out of 10 guys who draft, draft off these fantasy magazines and stuff, right? So I like to see what they're drafting so that I have an idea of what I'm going to do. And so a guy like Mike Evans, not rated high. Now, in my league, like I said, I've never liked him. But there's also guys like Tyler Lockett, who every year you can pick up very late. And Tyler Lockett's productive as hell. But In the road, road history, basically. That's correct. That's a perfect example of a guy who's going 85, 1,200, six touchdowns in, the, in, the, in that league, and one week will blow up, and the next week will be terrible. Give me, give me the guys. Speak to me about the top guys and, 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 and about this wide receiver pool going into the 23 season. I mean, the top guy, in my opinion, is Justin Jefferson. I actually, before the the Burrow injury, which will be downplayed, he'll be fine for the regular season, but it's a type of soft tissue injury that can creep up on you, and you lose a quarterback like that and guys like that, their value is done. I actually like Chase better this year than I like Je- Jefferson. Um, but I would say Jefferson won. You know, Chase 2 of Burrow seems to be healthy. Cooper Cup's injury scares me a little bit, and he's coming off of a major injury at the end last season. People don't realize when you talk about injuries, we talked about early in the show, are compensation-based injuries. 
you hurt, let's say, for instance, let's go with a pitcher. So Jacob DeGrom is a perfect example. If his first injury is a hamstring injury, and that affects the way that he is pushing off, guess what comes next? Lat, shoulder, shoulder blade. That's how they work. So these guys, like Cooper Cup, who was coming off a horrible injury that ended last season, he's starting to now have injuries that are compensation injuries. That's dangerous. Those are guys who are not as productive and don't go out there every, every day. Tyreek Hill, I think, has a major monster season. The issue there is Tua has to be on the field. Okay, so, and Tua, because of the concussion thing, is being drafted way down the list. And the games that he played, his numbers were huge. Okay, but that's a huge risk to take. Just never plays. Yeah, but, you know, that's Waddle and Hill are tied and become wide receiver 1 and 1B if Tua can make it through the game and become wide receiver 1B, 1D if he's not playing. You saw last year. Um, I, I love C.D. Lamb. Me too. I love C.D. Lamb. I think he jumps guys like Steph Diggs, who I think are just getting up there in age. He's another one with the disgruntled stuff that we spoke about with Eckler. Yeah, exactly, contract-wise too. Mm -hmm. I think, and he's over the, the dropsies. You know, his first year of dropsies was killing him. And so Dak went away from him. But, you know, the guys that used to protect Dak, um, you know, like Beasley and those guys, right, and Witten and Schultz are not there anymore. So being that CD can, um, is a great route runner, I think he's going to be fine. And guys that I love, I love A.J. Brown because A.J. Brown has great separation. A.J. Brown is probably the best, um, you know, deep ball guy out of this draft and the guy who could hit the home run. Garrett Wilson easily gets 100 uh, catches if, if uh, his ankle proves to be healthy. Speak to me about Chris Olave because he had a big year last year as a rookie, right? Exactly. Now he's in a situation where he's got a very good NFL quarterback. How will year two be? I think he's going to be a top 15 I, receiver. I what, he, what Carr does pretty well is he's a decent deep ball thrower, and Olave is a, a, a reception PPR monster. So I don't. It, it's interesting to see how they take advantage of that. And funny enough, having owned Devontae Adams last year, and I thought that Devontae Adams hit big on the deep ball with Carr. And Carr missed the passes that Aaron Rodgers drilled into Devontae Adams last year. So I'm very curious to see. If, you know, Olave's not a big wide receiver. He's 5'10", 160. I'm very curious to see what happens to Olave with Carr, who's not as accurate but a better quarterback than Wilson. Also, Kamar doesn't get you know a lot of catches like he used to eat those up in the backfield. And Williams is doing nothing out of the backfield to return the catches. So I think Olave's good for wide receiver, too, for... 80, you know, he was not a big touchdown guy. He's a guy who's going to have to take his short passes and take it to the house. Right? Like I alluded to earlier, Calvin Ridley's going to have a huge year, and, you know, in, in Jacksonville. What about Speak to me about McLaurin, because McLaurin in Washington has done a phenomenal job yeah. without McLaurin having consistent quarterback, quarterback play. It almost doesn't matter. Correct. You, know, you look at rankings, he's 15 to 22 in most rankings. He's as consistent as they come. Probably the third best route runner in the league. And he behind, believe it or not, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and and uh, like we alluded to, C.D. Lamb. That they uh, that the, the issue there is, is he's not going to be the guy who will blow up for you with 10 catches and 150 and two touches because the quarterback's not capable of that. 
you know, then they're going to lean on Robinson and, and Gibson in the backfield because that's where their strength is um, sort of up front with the hog mollies. Because so, so I like McLaren as a sort of low-end wide receiver to fantastic wide receiver three that's definitely being overlooked. I'm going to give you a sleeper. Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, I'm telling you he's a sleeper because I just believe that that offense is going to be is going to have more continuity this year. Last year, you can have anybody outside of Stevenson from New England on their, I mean, nobody in their fantasy, in a fantasy league had anybody from New England, right? I think that a guy like Schuster is going to be able to get you 70 catches. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be a wide receiver one here, but if you're a flex league a league where he's your number three, a, a guy who might have to play a couple of times because of buys, I think Schuster's going to have a nice season. That will be a very, a very late draft pick, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guys that, you know, if, you know, the guy who I'm interested to see is Devontae Smith, who has, who again, a great route runner, who had a great second half of the season, and I want to see how he plays off of, off of, you know, sort of Smith there, uh, to have uh, A.J. Brown there. So I, I, he's somebody that I'm kind of like keeping an eye on. He's definitely going to be, you know, wide receiver too in this league. I think guy who is being overdrafted and drafted way too high, DK Metcalf, believe it or not. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question. Who are these guys that you would say, hey, I'm going to stay away from these guys? You know, it's so hard to stay away from him because he's a physical freak. And, you know, just like Mike Williams, they're, they're, so you fall in love Mike Williams him. always hurts. Oh, but you know, and Metcalf was hurt in a freakish way last year. Came back pretty early and had some big games, but he's in head-to-head leagues. He's just not consistent enough, you know. And you have Lockett there now, and then you have uh, JSN there now. So he, they're going to be taking targets away from him. And believe it or not, a guy who we didn't talk about running back-wise, who had a great year and and winning people games, who not being mentioned at all in terms of running backs is, is Kenny Walker. Um, you know, because he's a guy who was, you know, at 120 yards a game and one to two touchdowns. And, and he's somebody who, um, you know, who burst onto seed. He didn't have Penny there stealing carries from him. And, you know, it, it, I think that, that they're going to lean a little bit more on him. And again, I know he had a good season. The defense was really bad. Do you really put all your eggs on Geno Smith? You know, it's still Geno Smith. Yeah. Right? And and so so I don't I think Now I will say this though. I get the whole Geno Smith thing, but that division's terrible. That league's gonna be bad. And that's why they lean on the run a little bit. I mean, it's the 49ers and that's it. I mean, they so Seattle could end up with nine, ten wins just because they they might be four you know, three and one in the other games. Yeah, yeah, they're better offense than yeah. I'll give you a good sleeper too. I, I think this guy breaks out this year too. If the quarterback play is consistent enough, and it ends up that McCaffrey isn't catching a hundred balls, which brings Ayuk. I, I, I loved him out of out of college at Illinois. I think he each year he's sort of you know working his way in that offense, and and he has sneaky good numbers. You know, you look at his numbers last year; he actually had really really good numbers. Um, so so I like him as as a wide receiver too, around like five or six. Who would you stay away from? Um, like a Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel? I think Debo Samuel's getting drafted way too high, too, and he's not running the ball anymore. You saw what happened last year. First of all, he's gassed, and yeah. he's injured too much. 
And because they used the Mari D, they tried to pull back from that, and it took away from the majority of the value. Tight ends always mess up every draft, too, right? Because with the tight ends, what ends up happening is these guys, they, they, it, somebody early in the draft will take a, a, a tight end. Now, not Kelsey, right? Because we know he's going to be there. But somebody will come up and take a Mark Andrews. Yeah. Then somebody picks up Kittle or Hawkerson. And then about, you get yeah. that run, right? I would tell you that if you really look at the league right now, oh, you could, yes, yes, you, after those, you could get yeah. a good tight end. Right. I'm telling you, there's about 14, 14 yeah. or 15. And yeah. if yeah. Hunter Henry, who has, who was always really good in, you know, in San yeah. Diego, yeah. If he can again have a stay healthy, yeah, right. now you're adding another right. tight end well, to the Matt mix. Jones, he's not going to anybody, so. Correct. You know, I totally agree with that. I, I, it's Kelsey sort of, or just leave that position. You know, I equate the tight end position to catcher for baseball when you're drafting fantasy baseball, because you always had your sort of Victor Martinez, Mike Piazza, JT Real Muto guys, but then you, if you don't get that guy, just let it go, yeah. because. You're, you're going to be reaching for the next tier and the next tier. Correct. That That's the a next, great the, point. The, the tight end tier. Yeah, like you, you have to go into it saying, if I can't get the first three, four through 12, yeah. you're going to probably be the same. Because if you're reaching for a tight end tier three over a wide receiver three, you've made a big mistake. Or running back three, you made a big mistake. Because I'll even so much as back up my quarterback before I action with a good quarterback at top Correct. before I actually take one of those tiers. And there's parity across, and also they're not consistent enough. You know, Mark Andrews was consistent enough because he was the go-to, to, you know, for Jackson, but he was hurt last year. He, he killed a lot of teams toward the end of the season towards playoff time. You know, so, and, and then Kittle's inconsistent. He had a good run at the end of the year. He's hurt all the time. As he knows, as injury-prone as anybody else. People and, are very high on TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, but you could go down the list and find something wrong with, with, with that. Everybody. That's why, yeah, with everybody after four. Because, and that's the thing. Like, so, you know. Kyle, what your drop-off is. Give me your projected numbers, hypothetically. Okay. On a TJ Hawkinson, give me your projected numbers on four tiers. In Minnesota? I'm going to give him 70 catches just because the quarterback is ultra consistent and plays every game. Okay. I don't have to worry about Cousins okay. missing. Keep going. Yardage. Okay. Yardage. I'm going to say 750. Okay. Eight touchdowns. Okay. So now give me your projections on Darren Waller. See, Waller I'm not going to be as high on because I don't like the quarterback throwing the ball. Okay. So they could be based on but the I'd see or the, now they're going to do a lot of quick hit drop off, but but Waller's also play. been hurt. Yeah. Okay. okay. And I know because I've had Waller. No, but I would tell you that I would take a guy like Ingram or Schultz. Yeah. No. I would rather I would rather take Ingram and Schultz. Five round. Yeah. Exactly. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. You just said, you know, 70, 850, four, five, six touchdowns. I'll tell you that Ingram's good for 60. 750 and four or five touchdowns, five or six round leaders. The only difference maker is Kelsey 
because he's no different than the low-end wide receiver one. And not that he stays healthy, not that Mahomes stays healthy, and he's getting older. This is not, see, we hook onto the RB2s and draft like that. Like, we hooked onto the years where they were sick. You had Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, you know, Jimmy Graham, Greg Olson. <laughs> yeah, down list where kid in Dallas, uh, Dallas, um, you know, Witten in Dallas. Yeah. When he was younger, where you've got five, six, seven studs yeah. at that position where we all want one of yeah. those. Know, and then we're hooked on that, that we need to get that guy because if we don't get that guy, you know, a, a Hawkinson or a Kittle, we're really going to get killed after this. And that's the wrong way to look because the guys at the back end of that are t- the Tyler Higbees, who's going to come back off, uh, you know, having Stafford there. You're not going to be that much different than the, 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 the low end tier one top tier. You know, last year, a guy who made a big impact in Miami was Gasecki. Yeah, yeah. And now he's in New England. Right. So, uh, so him, Hunter Henry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah it's, uh, it's going to be very interesting how he fits in there. Never really understood why Miami didn't like I didn't understand that either. The, you know, most leagues with the kickers and the defense, we're not going to really get into that. Before we finish up, I want to talk about some of these two quarterback leagues because that 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 is something that changes. But, you know, in my league, kickers are very important because I give points based on the distance of the field goal. So we've had kickers with 17, 18, 19 points, 100%. So the kicker becomes, you know, something that you got to take a look at. From a defensive standpoint, though, do you put more emphasis on teams like, let's say, see, like Dallas is a high turnover team, right? But they also score a lot, so they give up a lot. Do, or do you look at a team that just plays, you know, field position like the Jets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right. how do you, how do you? From, so that's interesting because that is, the, that is the one draftable position that is actually real team is completely opposite than fantasy team. Correct. You don't want really good defensive teams that are stuffing, you know, and getting off the field in, in, in three and out. Downs. You get bonus points for that. You do. You get bo- and like in our league. You get bonus. You start with twenty and you go in you're reverse. Down, right? Yeah. And so you're you, you know you don't want those teams. You are not getting a lot of points if you end up with a, a defense that has two sacks, one interception, and gave up seven points. How, not how about the guy? Out. How about the team that that gives up a lot of garbage stuff I at the end? You know they're done. Yeah. I want to cry because those are the teams. The defense that are ball hawks. That's what made uh, the Cowboys so good last year. But let's say like a San Diego who have ball hawk defensive backs, safeties, guys who strip balls like Bosa and stuff like that. I'd rather take a team that the end gave up 38 points. When I see a score and I haven't watched a game and I see the score is 42 to 38 and I have the team that gave up 42 points, I'm actually pretty confident I got more fantasy points than the team that gave up seven because there's a good chance that one of the, the touchdowns is a defensive touchdown or that they've been on the field that they've racked up enough sacks, interceptions, turnovers. I like those type of teams. So when they rank defenses, they do not rank it that way. And just like we talked about with, with sort of with, you know, catches for guys who specialize in that guys who steal bases of Juan Pierre's in baseball, guys who steal... Wow, you, get, you dropped a Juan Pierre reference? But <laughs> and then guys in basketball who steal a lot, you can't put. You don't know how many turnovers a team's going to get yeah. in here. How can you value that? So the defense should be drafted tactically. Right. Don't get a crappy defense that have, have they don't have enough talent there, but get a talented. I would tell you. I would tell you. You could. You could. I, you could match up every week. Every week, I actually. 
actually do that. I would yeah. actually pick up and drop every week because you, you, you're you better off taking a, a team that's yeah. immediate. I'll tell you this team is always on the waiver wire. I actually get pretty decent um, fantasy number. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. So is Jacksonville. Yeah, always because they're terrible. Nobody really wants them. They lose games. Give them a ton of points, but they do get a lot of fantasy points. Um, Back to the kicker thing. So I totally agree with you. I will almost, you know, um, pick a kicker a little bit ahead of uh, – where they should go because everybody says wait till that doesn't really matter. Based on more of what you look at, which is sort of the, the schedule, the team, how close the game is. Indoor, indoor kick. Versus yeah. outdoor. Because you, you, you'll get killed on those kickers who are kicking in bad weather, who are on teams that blow teams out, right, because the games are not close. And and who are in situations where they're not going to be out on the and with everybody going for it now on fourth down, everybody goes for it on fourth and three. Nobody kicks field goals anymore. Peyton Manning and Brady Brady that one year, give a kicker might as well gone. Goskowski probably was a number one ranked kicker. Might as well sat on the bench the whole game because they went for it no matter where they were, unless it was the fifty yard field goal. So, but guys like Justin Tucker and guys who kick long field goals like that, who are very consistent. In leagues like yours, who give extra points for longer field goals, I'll jump around or too high to snag a guy like that before I take a top defense because those guys will win games for you. Give me uh, to wrap this up. The two quarterback leagues, rare, but I mean it happens. You actually wrote me into doing one now. Um, philosophically, how does that how does that play for you? Well, the snake drafts where there where there are a lot of the reason why. Leagues do two quarterback leagues, especially the ones that are ten teams, because if you're in a ten team league, quarterbacks are so devalued because everybody's going to have a good quarterback. Now, if you're forced to draft a two quarterback league, right, where where teams that they're doing that, if you're doing a startup league where you want to draft two quarterback leagues because of the reason I just said, you have to place a limit, like you talked about with five running backs. You have Correct. to place a limit of three quarterbacks per team in those leagues because otherwise guys will hoard quarterbacks to keep them away from other guys. Take guys who are injured, you know, just in case their guys get injured and, and kill guys off the bye weeks. I play in one league with Rotowire guys who there is no limit. And guys will like Andre Stellings will draft five or six quarterbacks because then you have to trade for one of them or you're gonna lose because you're not playing quarterback. But in snake drafts, let me tell you, when you look at those You'll take the probably the top four quarterbacks, or even five if you want to count Lamar Jackson, and they will all go in the first round of the draft. It actually skews the rest of the first and second round because now you have guys like Christian McCaffrey, Ekelar, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson, and, and Jamar Chase, who are now end of the first round, you know, beginning of the second round. So the way I approach those is I, I'll feed off of guys who take the quarterbacks there. Okay, I will double up on Jamar Chase and Steph Diggs as my turn pick at the end of the first and beginning of the second round. But in my head, I'm taking two quarterbacks in round three and four. Correct. And then I'll take my running back because they're devalued very much in Correct. those leagues. You know, and so that that's a way to work that. We do in one league that I'm in that you if you own a quarterback, you own that team's quarterback. Okay, so that you don't have to worry about scrambling to pick up the backup off the free agent list most of Thing. Correct. Let's say Daniel Jones went down, you automatically are the only guy who can actually get Tyrod Taylor. You know, and so that's an interesting way if guys are starting up to actually structure a league like that so that you're locked into that team quarterback. Interesting. 
Justin, you're the best, man. I, I tell everyone that I speak to that no one knows more fantasy that I deal with than you, man. All right. You've been listening to the Sergio Rodriguez show, a show unlike any other.